welcome, 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 welcome all. Welcome to the very first episode. I'm excited. I don't know about y'all, but I'm really excited. This is the very first episode of Black Girl Magic Radio. Now, for those who don't know me, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Diana Johnson. I am a third year student here at the University of Iowa studying sociology. So, I, a little bit about me. I am from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, my parents moved over here to Iowa with me for college. And then, so, I've kind of just been up here for about a good three years. So, I've seen a lot of stuff in a good three years. I've been at this university. But, I'll get a little bit more about that. But, how are y'all feeling? So, to kick off this little show, what I'm thinking about doing is playing a little bit of interlude music right at the beginning to get y'all in the mood get y'all nice and mellow so for like this brief little 30 seconds i'm gonna play a nice little little jammy jam for y'all to get y'all nice and mellow and calm and in the right tone and spirit for whatever i'm gonna lay on the table for y'all so for right now just sit back relax and then we can get this show started Welcome back from that brief little intermission that we had. Uh, for those who don't know that song, that is Over by Sid. Sid is the homie. I love that song. And she really be having some nice little bops. Um, for anybody who wants any of these songs, I will be dropping during these podcasts. I will have them in the description so you can have access to them. So, um, all right. So, let's get into this topic. So, we're just going to talk about, like... How do you, like, go about discovering your blackness within, like, predominantly, like, white spaces? Because for me, going to a predominantly white institution, you're just kind of forced to realize, okay, like, like, I know I'm black, but, like, I didn't think, like, oh, all right, like, just walk on about your business. People just move on to the other side of the sidewalk. People looking at you weird. People looking at your hair. Want to put their little fingers in there. Like, no. Like, no. You just can't do that. You just can't invite your hand into my head, ma'am. That's not how that works. So, it just kind of goes into... I dig into... A, for me, I dug into, like, a little self-discovery. So, I didn't... It didn't process at the moment right then and there. But now that I'm older... I've realized a lot of things that have kind of like triggered what it means to be a black woman in certain spaces. So it started for me as early as um, about third grade and I had this friend named Hannah and she was a white girl and I went to this for county school that was outside the city limits so I stayed in the inner city of St. Louis and I went to a school that was about 45 minutes to an hour outside of the city bounds so I was pretty much in like the suburb the suburbs as people are often referencing them so I was out there and we were very good friends like we hung out every day during recess we sat by each other at lunch like that was my best buddy like you could not tell me that was not my friend like we did everything together and we was trying to figure out 
when are we gonna actually like have a play date that is not required on school grounds so she asked her mom was it okay for me to come over after school and I asked my mom and they both said yes so instead of me taking my normal school bus back to the city I got on her school bus and I rode through the suburban area for where she lived at so we're on the bus I noticed the houses like they're really nice houses but like I wasn't really paying attention to that I just noticed like all right I'm like this is not my neighborhood but like all right we here so we get there I meet her mom I met her adopted little sister and I met her other siblings and we were just pretty much kids being kids like we played in her room with dolls and stuff we went outside to the backyard jumped on the trampoline like we're just having a good old time like kids do so when it was time for dinner we ate pizza I never had pizza for dinner so we're just gonna roll with it so we had pizza for dinner and we just sat at the dinner table we just talked and like you know and they were a really nice family until it was time to go home and I need a ride home so her mom drove me and my friend back to the city so I could get back home to my mom and dad so we get back home and me and Hannah were like we were very like really excited to like hang out again and um as mom was okay she said yeah and she said all right we'll see you at school and then after that play date I've never went back to her house me being that little I didn't know why and still to this day I still don't know why but it's just something's been off about that whole referendum that happened and then by the time we got to middle school and sixth grade came she transferred out the system and she ended up being homeschooled so as of sixth grade i've never seen her again i don't even know where she go to college at now i don't even know if she's still in st louis so like i basically just lost touch with a good friend of mine so that was kind of like me thinking back on my 20 years of living now it just kind of like an aha moment like well it started this early so where has it digressed to now now it has digressed into the biggest one of the hugest elephants in the room being black in a predominantly white institution and that was a huge culture shock for me but not only that I transferred from St. Louis to Iowa in my very last semester of high school so even before I stepped foot on the University of Iowa's campus I was in a school district called Citrus Springs and it was it, it was predominantly I would say it was predominantly white because I was the only black kid in that entire school of 300 to 400 students I've made the one in the 61 in my graduating class so it was it was very it was very different to like try to you know try to digest what just happened but as soon as I got there they put me on the basketball team they put me on the track team 
I don't know if they was being serious too cool about that, but like I already played basketball on track, so I'm like, oh, they're just being cool. Like, you want me on the team? But like, I wonder if they just did that because I was the only black kid and they wouldn't feel sorry for me or something like that. So, but that's another story for another time. And then when I came to University of Iowa, it's just, it just turned into like a huge, like a huge epiphany. Like, I never thought this move was going to happen. And like going to class it was very it was very it was very I wouldn't say uncomfortable it was very like well I would say it was uncomfortable it wasn't uncomfortable and like me saying like oh I'm the only black person here like why is everybody staring at me but like it was more uncomfortable in the fact that I was the only person in that space of color and everyone is looking at me differently and why do I talk this way? Because coming straight from St. Louis to Iowa, my accent was very thick. So, people used to look at me, you know, a little off. They would still talk to me, but, like, you could just tell in their face, like, something was off. And I say one of the... One of the moments that I've had in my undergrad so far was my freshman year. It was spring semester, and I was in Intro to Sociology. And Intro to Sociology, you know, they're just basically talking about, like, how are social problems and, like, how does it relate to, like, different populations within, like, race, gender, religion, and how do all of these different characteristics in an individual plays an effect in different social problems, like healthcare, employment, um, education, like in those areas. So it was this moment in my discussion, and we were talking about the school to prison pipeline. And the school to prison pipeline, like I already knew about it before because I previously learned about it, and plus I kind of went, I could, I could say I witnessed it because a lot of these facts held true to where the schools were located and what was the point they were trying to make so basically okay so to start off i was i am the only black person in that class in that discussion period so when it got to that discussion the ta was like trying to get everyone's opinion about the school to prison pipeline and basically about four or five people went at different periods of time basically trying to justify that it was necessary for these different things to be set in place in school for example resource officers somebody said well a student must have did something for the resource officers to be in school anyway because there's no way they would just put them there or even the metal detectors oh well somebody probably had a weapon or something like that and brought it to school just so they could check them and like it's just basically going on and on trying to justify like that the kids in the entire school did something for the district to put these resource officers and these metal detectors in these schools. Now, for those who stayed in the inner city before or have been in schools with resource officers and metal detectors, we all know we didn't do anything wrong. We just got placed in a school where these things were already embedded. So when it came time for me to explain like, no, this is not what you think is set in place for us was never 
meant for us to succeed anyway because I know friends that who got in fights both black and white and nine times out of ten the white kids would get a little slap on the wrist say don't do it again and go back to class whereas my black friends most of them would get in school suspension or out of school suspension depending on the severity of the fight and then it would prolong them from getting work done in class so even out to the resource officers and the metal detectors and then like they didn't understand like this system was not really made for us to succeed because it's all systemically made for us to always try to dig ourselves up from a hole that the government has already put down in us so I basically went long story short so basically I just went on a huge tangent about what they believed to be true was pretty much a bald-faced lie that was spoon-fed to them and what their ideologies basically aligned up with and the whole class just fell silent because they literally could not process what was said or even if they was processing it they were just in awe and they really didn't have any words to say after that so in instances like that I've also learned that and this is something to take away for yourself too don't try to be the spokesperson for the entire black community I know we're all one body and I know we all gotta stick up for each other but at the end of the day it is not your responsibility to try to educate each and every person who genuinely does not understand how this race plays an effect on us as a people and them not recognizing what privilege they hold as a white person like I'm not saying it's not wrong to educate those who are willing to learn what it means to be a black man or a black woman in America trying to go to school trying to get a job or just even do a positive or just even doing something positive at anything versus in them they already have a step stone or a pedestal that's already been lined up for them so they already have leverage over where we're trying to be at to meet them at their level so for those who are willing to learn I encourage it because that's where the allyship comes in but for those who just continue to roll their eyes try to argue and bicker with you back and forth don't waste your time your energy or your breath because at the end of the day you all you're gonna end up is being irritated and mad in the first place as to why ain't nobody listening or they just got mad because I told them blase blase and it's the net like you just can't go on thinking like you've wasted time and energy so that's just me I learned from that on my own because I'm not I'm not going to take the time to educate somebody who doesn't want to be educated if you could get what I'm saying on that so if they genuinely want to know what it's like to be black and what they can do with their privilege to help us and understand like what we go through and like have a support system behind that I strongly encourage it but for most of these students at Iowa they pretty much do not 
care like do not care with a capital C like they genuinely do not care so yeah so that's my little takeaway from that so my I'm gonna do this little thing called question of the day so my question of the day is and I want you to really think about this because it took a minute for me to even think about this myself when did you realize your blackness and what I mean by this what moment in your life is when you realize oh my god I am actually a black man like oh my god I am actually a black woman what moment in your life it could be as young as preschool it could be as old as however age you are now but what moment shaped your realization that you are who you are and you are in the skin that you're in so that is my assignment for y'all this week so what what moment in your life shaped your blackness so it is it's a very it's a very heavy topic especially within yourself because it's a lot of self-discovery within this so you might not be able to answer within this week or my like come to terms with it if you haven't already thought about this question already but like just really sit on it and the more you sit on it and the more you realize it and the more you like learn about yourself and like what it means to be a black man or a black woman in this day and age it is so much pride in who you are as a person who is black in america because we're magical like like we're magical people so i know i talked a lot so let me give you this little brief interlude it's very brief probably like five or ten seconds so so brief little interlude take a quick break and we're gonna come back So, it's Black History Month, and you know, during this month, you know, we just spread around positivity, and you know, just hopping each other up, because, again, it's our month, but a good friend of mine, he brought up a very good point, Black History Month shouldn't be just celebrated once a year. Black History Month should be celebrated every day as such. And I'm, he right. Because ain't no way he could fit 28 to 29 days in a month worth of all of the info and all of the pioneers and innovators who are black men and women that help and mold this country to what it was so yes you're totally right my friend black history Month should just be celebrated once a year by a month it should be celebrated every year every month every day of the week accordingly but okay so back to black history month so i feel like it's necessary to talk about this because it's been a lot of it's been a lot of motion about this. So, in Iowa City, 
on the public buses and on the bus called Can Bus, which is the bus that travels around campus. There is a reserved seat for Rosa Parks to dedicate her for being that pioneer and that civil rights leader that we needed for us to have a seat at the front of the bus. So on all these buses, there is a seat dedicated to her with a laminated photo of her, with a nice little blurb about her for those who don't know about her. If you don't know about Rosa Parks, shame on you. But anyway, so there's a little laminated picture of her and it's zip tied to a seat and that seat is dedicated to her. And it's been quite a few people in this city that is taken out upon themselves and sitting in the seat that is dedicated to Rosa Parks. Now, this is just my opinion. You guys could feel free to voice in on this, but in my opinion, if it's Black History Month and there's a civil rights leader who dedicated their life to making sure that we were able to be equal to our white counterparts by a seat on the bus, I feel that it is somewhat disrespectful to sit in a seat that is to dedicate her memory of her and those who feel it to take it upon themselves to sit in the seats I feel like they are just ignorant to the fact that this seat is dedicated to her and it should be treated as such and it's also the people that really don't care it could be a million other seats but yet you sit in this one seat that is to commemorate her and I know some really are ignorant about Black History Month mainly because they don't feel the need to like know about Black History and Yes, I am talking about those people, but I feel that as a black student here on this campus and seeing this continue to go on, like I actually, I'm actually baffled because like you could tell them all you want to like get out the seat, but like if it's through the actual company like the actual bus people who took it upon herself to have this commemorative seat for her don't you think it should be enforced as such and it even goes back to the bus drivers like you like you see the seat and it is not being treated as such so that's my little soapbox moment on that I just feel that I just feel that no one should sit in the seat, period. Whether you're black, white, whatever. Because without her, everyone would not have the right to sit anywhere they want on the bus without her. And also all of the other civil rights activists who were along those, 
who was along the road with her to make sure like this was in place for us to have this type of right as a citizen so yeah that's just my take on it again like just it's just it's just a weird it's just a weird feeling to have during black history month because like it's supposed to be celebrating all the innovators and all of the people who made this country possible for the little black boys and little black girls that looked up to them to actually see what they actually be in this country in a country that was not built for us so that's just my little soapbox moment on that um so i i'm just gonna conclude on this today uh but again for all of those who are tuned into this episode thank you for coming and listening to the first installment and i really appreciate all the support that i'm going to be getting from this what i don't know how like i don't know how many people are going to be tuning in but like I don't care if it's one voice. If I can reach one person through these podcasts I'm doing, my job is complete. My motto is each one, teach one. So I love all of y'all. Stay black. Stay beautiful. And I will see y'all when I see y'all. So I will see y'all next week. But before we leave you know people might be feeling to the voice so let me just let me just keep the mood back up because it's valentine's day on friday i don't know if you got a little boo or something or you just gonna be kicking it with your friends or you're gonna be going to the movies but either way whether you with your man your woman your friends we gonna do a little this pop out at your party. I'm with the gang, and it's gonna be a robbery. So Chucky Chain. So to conclude this episode, we finna get live right before we leave. So I'm finna tune in to some Polo G right before we leave. So peace, stay black, stay beautiful, and I will see y'all next week. Out.